Amen. You may be seated. So as we continue in our sermon series, uh, going back to school with Jesus, looking at what uh, discipleship looks like with, with Jesus, um, this morning we, we turn to, to the last words that Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel. Um, so we'll be going there to Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning with the 16th verse, 16 through, through 20. Well, before we read, let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear now these words. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them, I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So if you're a parent or a grandparent or have ever worked with children, then you know that your instructions or commands are often met with varying degrees of seriousness. In our household, for example, go get your shoes on, we're getting ready to leave, is not taken with much seriousness based on the number of times we end up having to say it. Sometimes I just, you know, dream about what life would be like uh, if the things we said to our kids were taken more seriously. I'm not saying the world would change if they put their shoes on after one ask, but maybe. I wonder if Jesus ever thinks about that with us. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always, forever. That's what the risen Christ told his disciples. Go make disciples. Think for a moment how seriously Jesus' followers took this command and promise. In AD 20, AD 25, nobody outside of a small town in Galilee had heard of Jesus. 25 years later, by AD 50, there were riots in Rome because of Jesus. And by AD 65, his followers were being persecuted by the emperor of Rome himself because disciple-making and the ways of Jesus threatened Roman rule and control and values. I mean, that's, that's pretty astounding. The disciples, out of an overflow of a reality too great, too big to be contained, did what Jesus told them to do. And look what happened. The world did change. 
the disciples made disciples who made disciples, and it was like all heaven broke loose. Disciples make disciples. If we're going back to school with Jesus, we have to to recognize and, and relearn that following Jesus necessarily involves helping others to follow Jesus too. Imagine what would happen if we took that command and and promise as seriously as Jesus' earliest followers. I bet if I took a poll of of people who who would consider themselves to be followers of Jesus and asked them what they felt, what they felt when they heard the phrase, Great Commission, or uh, Go Make Disciples, I bet most would either feel guilty anxious or indifferent as opposed to inspired or encouraged. Guilty because we don't feel adequate or knowledgeable to be sent out to make disciples or it's just one more thing like we know we should do but we, but we don't. Anxious because we don't want to come across as weird or impersonal or do something wrong or we simply don't know what to do. Indifferent because... I mean, like, isn't making disciples like the pastor's job and, and the church's job? And, and what about my life and my job and all that I have going on? Let, let's take a step back with Jesus and actually look at this beautiful, incredible statement, these final words that we call the Great Commission. It happens after Jesus has risen and appeared to many of the disciples. If you look at what Jesus actually says, it's, it's essentially three phrases rolled into one. There's a statement followed by a command, followed by a promise. So let's, let's just take the make disciples part out for a moment and look at the statement and the promise on either side of it because the statement and the promise change how we see the command. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. I mean, that's, that's quite a statement. But someone who's endured the cross and defeated sin and evil and death by rising from the dead can say that with complete integrity. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am Lord and King. I am King of heaven and earth. His is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. His whole ministry, Jesus' whole ministry was about bringing the life of heaven to bear on earth. And he has now made that even more possible through his saving death and resurrection. The authority that belongs to Jesus is the kind of authority that that calms the sea, that makes demons flee, that that heals people, that changes lives, that bids people follow. It's a kind of authority exercised through love and mercy and justice. All authority has been given to Jesus. That's the statement. That's the news. What's the promise? That Jesus will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Let's not gloss over that. (laughs) That Jesus will be with us always, even to the end of the age. The one who has all authority, the one who is Lord and King, the one who came to be with us, the one who died and rose again for us, promises to be with us always. And it's important, it's important to start with the news and the promise because they're the context for Jesus' call for his disciples, us, to make disciples. Because all authority has been given to Jesus, and because Jesus is with us always, we go and make disciples. 
Both the reason for and the strength behind making disciples is right there. Part of why it's called the Great Commission is because it is just that, a co-mission, mission with Jesus. The one to whom all authority has been given is also the one who goes with us always as we make disciples. We don't do this work alone. We do it with Jesus in charge and with Jesus with us. Disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, go into all the world and and make worship attenders or church members. He doesn't even say, go and convert people. He says, go make disciples. To make disciples, we have to know what one is, right? Remember, we've already talked from, uh, talked from the other sermons in this series and, and already said that a disciple is someone who loves and trusts Jesus and who is learning to be more like him with every part of life. It's not a spiritual master. It is someone who is apprenticed to Jesus in all of life, seeking to make Jesus' ways his or her ways. That's a disciple. To become a disciple of Jesus is to make a decisive turn toward God, but it's a process, a journey in relationship with Jesus and with other followers, watching and practicing and asking questions and making mistakes and doing and learning again and again. So making disciples is not a magic formula. It's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's not a sales job where the pressure's all on us to close the deal. It's not getting people to say a magic prayer. It's not a program. And it's not an optional add-on to our life with Christ either. Look at the ministry of Jesus. Jesus invited people into his life to learn about what it looks like to live a changed life in light of God's love and kingdom. We learn how to make disciples by watching how Jesus himself did it. By entering into relationship with people, allowing them access to our Jesus-shaped lives, and inviting them in love to a way of life that's shaped by God's rule and reign. Jesus, then, is asking us to put people into the Jesus apprenticeship process through the relationships that we have and develop so that they become enfolded in the saving relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and learn how to obey Jesus' teachings. This past week, Lauren and I had the chance to get away for a few days to the mountains, and we stayed at this cabin that had a stream running right behind it. A pretty significant, fast-flowing stream that that you could actually hear from, from inside of the cabin. It was like the most glorious white noise ever. And one morning, I just sat on the the back porch, the back deck, and and looked and and listened to it. And I was struck, and I thought about just the the faithful consistency of that stream of water. Just a steady, consistent flow. And then I thought about the different ways someone might enter that stream. With its small waterfalls and pools and rocks. You know, some might need to to just sit on a rock close by and just watch for a while. 
Some might need to, you know, kind of sit on the edge and, and dip their toes in, in the water. Some might just jump or, or wade all in all at one time. Some might need a hand to hold, step into the stream with somebody, just until they get used to the temperature or the, or the flow. Some might want to see someone else go first. I wonder, what if, what, if, look, what if making disciples looks like that? What if it's about helping others based on where they are to step into the stream, into the current of Jesus' life and love and ways? It might be guiding them to a rock nearby to watch for a while. Maybe that means blessing them in some way that lets them see how Jesus' love influences our lives. Maybe, it, maybe it, uh, it might be inviting them to stick their toes in the water, so to speak. Maybe that means asking them how you might pray for them and then actually praying with them. It might be inviting them to watch you go in first a little deeper. Maybe that means inviting them to a B3 group or a small group conversation where, where they can see you articulate your faith some. It may be encouraging them to just go for it, to take, to take the plunge. Maybe that looks like bringing them to church with you, encouraging them to take communion or, or to get baptized if they never have. It might be holding their hands and, and walking with them step by step into the current. Maybe that means you try something new for your faith and your relationship with Jesus and you invite them to join in that new experience that's new for both of you. Whatever the movement might be, the most important thing is that we are invested in them and we're helping them move step by step closer to Jesus with their lives just like we're trying to do. We're called to make people into what we ourselves are. And making disciples doesn't just move others closer to Jesus, but us too. Disciples make disciples. Let's not overcomplicate this. Let's get personal and practical for a minute. How did you, or how are you becoming a disciple? Not a worship attender, not a church member, a disciple. Who helped or is helping make you a disciple? Who helped you become a disciple or who is helping you, making you into a disciple? Think about where you, how you got to where you are right now in your spiritual journey. Think about all the people along the way from parents to grandparents to friends to brothers or sisters, co-workers, neighbors, teammates who introduced you to Jesus and his ways. The people who shared with you what Jesus meant to them. The people who read you stories about Jesus, the people who invited you to church or to a small group or a Bible study, the people who brought you to church, maybe even kicking and screaming, the, who, who, the people whose lives you admired because they lived them for Jesus that you think were, were worth imitating, the people who loved you fiercely and unconditionally and made you believe that Jesus loved you that way too. The people who pushed you in all the right, right ways to, to change and grow and helped you to do so because they were genuinely and compassionately invested in your life. Think about all the people who helped you become someone who is saying, I trust you, Jesus, I love you, and I'm trying to live more like you. Think about all the disciples who helped you become a disciple because that's what disciples are supposed to do.
think about it and, and rejoice and give thanks. And then think, what, what would it mean for you to be about, about that kind of work right now for someone else? What would it look like for you to be that person for others the way others have been for you? What would it look like for you as a disciple to help make another disciple? What would it mean for you to live a life worth imitating that someone else might admire? What would it mean for you to introduce to someone to Jesus and his ways? What would it mean for you to share with someone else what Jesus means to you? What would it mean to be the one who reads stories about Jesus to others? To be the person who invites someone to worship or small group or Bible study? The person who brings someone else to church? The person who loves someone else, leading them to believe that Jesus must love them too? The person who helps someone change and and grow because you are genuinely and compassionately invested in their life? Think about being the person who helps someone else be able to say, I trust you, Jesus. I love you. I'm trying to live more like you. Think about being the disciple, helping others become a disciple because that's what disciples are supposed to do. And then go be that person with Jesus' help and power. Jesus isn't talking about the duties of some full-time workers as much as he is the duties of a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, family member, parent. There's a whole network. There's a whole network of people who hear us, who work with us, who live next to us, who play with us, who observe us from a distance, longing to respond with gratitude and joy that they have been given an opportunity to be loved unconditionally and to learn how to experience and be more like Jesus. Friends, we so often struggle with what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. And churches struggle with what their mission statement is or what programs they're supposed to be running and offering. And yet, and yet the irony is, if we would just do what Jesus tells us to do based on who he is and how he promises to be with us, if we would just make disciples we would not have that struggle. Jesus has given us the most beautiful, perfect, joy-filled, meaningful mission statement for every disciple for all of time. Jesus has given us the most beautiful, perfect, exciting, joy-filled, meaningful mission statement for every church for all of time. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've taught you. Go make disciples. Sometimes I I wonder if Jesus ever thinks about what would happen if we actually took what he said more seriously. I'll bet the world really would change. Being a disciple means being committed to making disciples. Time to get our shoes on, church. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.